Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for another one. This week, going back to uh, the infamous 1994, as we cover something a little bit different, the Offspring's smash hit. Smash, how are you, my friend? Hanging in there, dude. Hanging in there. Uh, Looking forward to talking about this. This is uh, a a long-time favorite album of mine, so... And a little bit something a little bit different than our usual fare. I uh, I definitely look forward to it. Um, before we get to that, though, we had the pleasure of seeing a, a very nice concert this week. I, I know we'll go into further detail about this on our Patreon. Um, we have a bonus episode coming out this week where we talk about some sabotage and a little bit about the Halloween show. Um, but you want to just give your thoughts on, uh, on on this on this interesting concert? You finally got to check them off the bucket list. I loved it. It was um it was really perfect. Like it, it's it's funny how I would have, you know, we're going to speak of dream set list when we talk about sabotage on the bonus uh the bonus episode. This I would have probably chosen a completely different set list and and that said I still thought it was one of the best concerts if not the best show I I've ever seen. Um just uh the everybody sounded great. They all came together so well, um, and I think just the um, the nostalgia, the emotions, being with friends, uh, it all kind of came together to to be a really, really great experience for me. So that was that was how I felt, and then we'll go, you know, much further into detail um, on the bonus episode, go over like the tra- the set list and everything. But um, uh, in general, it was uh, it was a pretty magical night, and. Uh, I had a blast. I'll just say this. I didn't look at the set list before the show, and I'm so happy that I didn't. I actually went in with tempered expectations just because I thought so highly of the last uh, time I saw that lineup, and I got to see two different shows on, on back-to-back nights. So I, I, I my, my expectations were, were tempered, but they blew my expectations out of the water. They are just firing on all cylinders um, and, and just, I enjoyed every second of it. I loved the show. I thought it was fantastic. I thought the production was great. I thought that the, the band was very tight. And I, I know I joked with you. I'm like, all right, we'll go up to Worcester the next day. I was half serious. I was this close to really going back up and, and seeing them again. I just, I, I couldn't get enough of it. I pray that they come back. I, I will never get enough of that band. It was just a phenomenal night through and through. Yeah. Yeah. I, I look forward to, uh, going into further detail about it, but, um, and, uh, I did post some video clips to our Instagram page. So, uh, I'm sure some, some of you have already checked them out. Um, we had a pretty solid vantage point and I thought the videos came out pretty decently. So I thought they were worth sharing, but, um, yeah, it sounds like everybody who's seen them so far throughout this tour have been really pleased with, uh, what they've seen. So more to come, I say more to come. Um, it, I, I assume as, as we're recording, you haven't had the chance to really dive into anything new. Um, but I actually spent the last couple of days listening to three albums, two brand new ones and a third, which came out a couple of weeks ago, if I'm not mistaken, but I just never had the chance to give it its due. Maybe even a couple of months ago at this point in March. Um, the first album is a band called Pressure Points. I may or may not have mentioned them on the podcast. Um, they are a Finnish band doing I'll just call it like progressive death metal. It's almost like dream theater meets Opeth. Um, 
mostly cleans, but definitely some growls to go along with it. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this release. I thought it was one of the better prog albums this year um, and something I'll definitely go, be going back to at some point. And then in a completely different vein, something I think that you will particularly enjoy, uh, a German band called Majesty came out with an album called Back to Attack. I was listening to it on my way home today from work, and it's just melodic power metal, but almost with like a tinge of Manowar to it, a little bit more the American style of, of, of you know, of, of power metal, even though they're German, uh, but very well done. Lots of hooks, something that you can kind of immediately gravitate towards. I'll post something this week so that uh, you and everybody else can kind of check these guys out. I think you'll you'll definitely appreciate that. And then the other album that I checked out yesterday, a band out of Greece called Horizons End. They came out with an album called The Great Destroyer, another proggy type of thing. And it's kind of a blend of like 70s, 70s symphonic prog and then like dream theater type prog metal. So somewhat, somewhat similar to pressure points, but a little less aggressive, I guess is the word I would use, but very well done. It, it gave me a seventh wonder vibe. I thought it, you know, kind of was in that vein with the singer just being maybe a step below um, Tommy Karavik and, you know, who's, you know, one of a kind, <laughs> but very, very good, uh, good, good listen and something I would work worth, you know, worth checking out as well. Sounds like I have a lot of work to do. I also have the, um, I still want to listen to uh, Aaron's Supersonic Revolution. Within Temptation has a new single that I haven't had a chance to listen to. It, it was all about Halloween for me uh, this this past week. And um... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Not to mention um, the offspring, of course, the last uh, few days as well, getting prepped for, for this. Not that I needed much. This album, I hadn't listened to it in years. Uh, I don't even know when the last time I would have listened to it start to finish, but it's like it's like an old friend that uh, you just uh, you just link back up and it's like no time has passed. And uh, that pretty much explains a good portion of our weekend, but uh, that's kind of how I felt about this album. I, I know um, this isn't going to probably be something that all of our regular listeners have a, a nostalgia for, but I know that some of them do. I know Dave, at least for instance, has talked about um, being a fan of, of that kind of punk rock nineties, punk rock era. Um, but uh, this was kind of my, after the monkeys, uh, the the '90s alternative punk rock scene was kind of my next love in rock and roll, and then once that kind of fizzled out, that's when I discovered the metal. So this is all part of, 
at least for me, a part of my, my musical journey. So I definitely wanted to, uh, take some time to talk about it. And if I, if I recall, um, I, I think I'd mentioned that you had made a playlist for me, a playlist is the wrong word for it, a mixtape back in the day, um, of all of your favorite kind of alt rock songs. And I still have the list of it. Um, I've, it is now a playlist on my, uh, on my iTunes and, uh, sure enough, uh, two songs from this album are on that playlist. So, uh, I don't even know if you remember what you put on this playlist, but if you would like to see it, it's, um, it's pretty much a, a, a love, a love song to, uh, you know, 1991 through 1997, pretty much uh, of that just radio punk rock, alternative rock era with some Guns N' Roses and uh, Aerosmith thrown in for for good measure. Well, I'll say this, and and I think that this is going to be kind of controversial, but I'll I'll say it. I'm not saying this is a metal album. It's obviously not that. It is a radio punk album, I I think would be, you know, an alt-rock radio punk album through and through. But by the same token, if you listen to this album, there are elements, there are elements of metal on here. And I will go to my grave thinking that this in many ways was a precursor for what would soon come thereafter, because this album offsprings third album, it came out in the spring of 1994, April 8th, to be exact. Within two years, I would be a rabid, rabid tool fan. And now we covered them in the archives on the show. Um, and, and quite frankly, it's another band I'd like to go back to at some point, but you know, you could see the, journey that I was taking when you go from 1994 where I was listening to this and Green Day and Pearl Jam and then by 1996 I was listening to um, the more mainstream metal bands with Metallica and Tool and whatnot and then by 97 I'd have my doors blown off by you know hearing Black Diamond for the first time uh, by Stradivarius but the reason I say that is there are elements of what I would come to love for the next 25 years on this album and I don't think it's a perfect album by any means. In fact, I think that there's some songs on here that still to this day, I don't necessarily appreciate the way I think I do some other albums that were coming out around the same time. But there are flashes of brilliance here. And to and there's certain songs on here that hold up extremely well, even to this day. Uh, agreed. 100%. Very well said. Um, we talked about uh, Green Day's Dookie album, um, Man, I'd have to go check our, uh, take a look at our, uh, our old spreadsheet and see how far back that was. Um, I don't think it was too, too long August ago. August 29th, 2022, episode 111. So a little, a little less than a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. About well, nine months ish. Um, that was probably the most, um, it's probably the most remembered punk rock, you know, uh, modern like radio punk rock album of that time i would argue that the offspring smash album would be the the number two um provided number two wasn't another green day album but i mean (laughs) especially considering they were both released in the same year um i think that um green day kind of i think uh opened the door for this for the offspring to come in um it's interesting I, I remember getting this album and kind of just assuming it was their first album because I, you know, this was the first time they were um, 
they had music videos on MTV and that they were ever on the radio. So, you know, I was shocked to find out that they actually had two albums prior to this. And according to Dexter Holland, who's the, 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 has been the band's lead singer from the beginning and, and still is. And one of two uh, members of the band that are still with the band to this day that were on the smash album. He did an interview with Flux Magazine in 1994, and he said, when we recorded this album, our last one had had sold maybe 15,000 copies, so the possibility of us getting played on the radio or anything like that was pretty much non-existent, especially because this kind of music is not generally considered acceptable by the mainstream. Mm. So for something like this to happen, it really took us by surprise. And, And, I mean, it makes sense because there really wasn't anything like this in the mainstream prior to this. I mean, maybe you want to talk about uh, you know p- the punk rock of the 70s and the 80s with the clash and um things things like that um but this was like this 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 90s this new like a new wave of punk rock so to speak and i know green day got a lot of flack from their you know hometown fans that kind of you know accused them of selling out so to speak but i mean I don't know. Isn't the, isn't that the dream? It's so funny how like musicians they dream of becoming like these famous like you know rock stars, and then when they do it, everybody tells them that they're a sellout. Well, I mean, you know, you pick, you pick a lane. Um, I I completely agree with you. Um, yeah. So so I think that the offspring are just kind of following in uh, in in Green Day's footsteps. The timing was right. Um, the if you go back and listen to their previous two albums, they're not terribly different from smash uh, certainly less polished and, and and not nearly as well produced um but but you can you can see that 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 you know that style was was building there and um it, they remain a, a popular touring band to this day i wouldn't say that they're on the level of green day as far as uh you know selling tickets and things of that nature but they they i don't believe that they've ever uh, taken a hiatus or stopped or anything. They've been going on strong, and and that first album I believe came out in in 1989 or 1990. I mean, they, that's how long that uh, the band's been around. And, and much like um, much like Green Day, uh, the band I believe is from uh, California. At least that's where the album was recorded. I'll have to. Yeah, uh, they're they're from California. Check. But what's interesting is that you know we talked about Dookie. It comes out February first. Just two months later, this album comes out, and there are actually certain songs, and I'll, I'll point them out, which, quite frankly, were kind of dead ringers for Green Day songs. And I think that if you would have taken, you know, switched vocalists, you probably could have swapped some of these songs, and you wouldn't have been, uh, you know, completely out of place. So there were similarities, and the fact that they came out so close in time is is kind of fascinating to me. Yeah, I think that the Offspring had a little bit more of an edge, and was it was a little less poppy, at least. At least, like the non-radio songs, I think had a little bit more of an edge than the ones that ended up. And sure. Offspring would actually become known for this because, uh, you know, if you even fast forward to 1998, when I think Offspring had kind of a, a second coming with their release of Americana and you know, Pretty Fly for a White Guy and and Why Don't You Get a Job, which are like two of my least favorite Offspring songs, oh, quite honestly. I, I, I'm but not a fan. The band blew up because of those songs, but. If you go and listen to the rest of that album, the rest of that album is just as punk rock joy. Like got, those, <laughs> those, those two songs are complete outliers on that album, and I didn't listen to that album for years because I just assumed it sucked based on those two songs. I did, it's actually I've never a listened very to good the album. album. I've never listened to it, and yeah, the reason yeah, I, 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 there's those, some, 
That's so funny. The singles drove me to the point of never listening to it. Like the, I the band has had a, a history of releasing their more goofy or what might be considered radio friendly or less offensive songs as as singles. Um, and I feel like to a certain extent they kind of did the same thing here because I think there's some other songs that that were not chosen as singles that have more of an edge. And, and I actually think that the general uh, the general person who would listen to this podcast would probably gravitate more towards the the non-singles than the singles. Yeah. Well, they might recognize the singles. I mean, I, I would be shocked if anybody doesn't know Come Out and Play. Um, just even from watching sports, I'm sure that it gets played at sporting events and in arenas and stuff. Um, it's got to be there. It's got to be their most well-known song, uh, you know, at least I, I would, I would imagine, but um, yeah, uh, it's just, uh, it's an interesting time. And, and it, it's, it's also interesting because it seems like Green Day and the Offspring were kind of the only bands of that era to kind of come out of that era. Like, and still, I, I don't know if, um, I don't know if Rancid still exists or if they broke up and got back together. They certainly haven't, um, had the same success as Offspring and Green Day have for for whatever reason. Maybe that's an, a band we can talk about in the in the future because the, I have a very fond recollection of listening to uh, and out come the wolves at the uh, in the weight room and in high school. Huh. Uh, somebody had left the cassette tape in the in the weight room and we popped it on. I was like, "This is great!" I never heard any of the songs outside of the singles from that album, and and that was good stuff. So. Um, Getting back to what you said, yeah, there are elements of this punk rock style I think a metal fan would, would could appreciate. Yeah, and, and I'm going to get to those shortly. I just want to kind of run through the lineup here. Uh, you, you had mentioned Dexter Holland earlier, lead vocals and rhythm guitar uh, on bass guitar. And, and quite frankly, one of the more prominent bass guitarists uh, that you'll hear in this kind of genre, and that's Greg Kay. Uh, noodles on lead guitar and backing vocals and Ron Welty on drums. The lineup would change a number of times, I, I think, throughout the years. But uh, Dexter and Noodles being a fixture uh, throughout the, the bulk of their tenure. And, and, and even, uh, you know, Greg Kay was with them for, for quite a bit. It's, it's, it's interesting to me that this band is still around. And what's even more interesting is that I've seen them play live at like some metal festivals. Like there are some European metal festivals where they get invited to play. So I don't think we're completely off base when we say that there's elements of things here that metalheads will actually enjoy. And if you go to the right festival, you can still see them alongside bands like Flotsam and Jetsam. There you go. Yeah. And that's very true. Um, I wish we'd see more of that kind of uh, interplay when it comes to American festivals. Cause I feel like European festivals tend to blend those genres a little bit more uh, willingly. Like you could go see a show that has Flatsman Jetsam and Allison chains on the same lineup. And I think that's really cool. Um, a quick note about noodles. Um, one of my favorite stories, I learned this from Knops when I was in college, but um the rumor is, and there is not a full uh, verification of this on Wikipedia. Part of the story uh, is there. Uh, but my understanding was that Noodles was um, significantly uh, older than the rest of the guys in the band. He was supposedly a janitor at their high school, and they asked him to be in the band so that he could buy them beer. 
Um, wow, that's according amazing. To, according to Wikipedia, um, he was in a local band called Clowns of Death, and he was allegedly in the band because he was the only person old enough to bu- to buy alcohol. Um, and he earned the nickname Noodles for his frequent noodling on the guitar, as, as a, a word we tend to use around here every now and again. Um, he His real name is Kevin John Wasserman. And for anybody that was wondering, uh, Noodles is... Not his real name? No, no, Noodles is not his real name. His dad is not uh, 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 Mr. Ronzoni, um, <laughs> as it turns out. But uh, I always thought that was such a funny thing. And now whenever I hear his name, I just think of Knops in college telling me that story. Uh, well, I'll, 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 I was looking it up. Dexter Holland is three years younger. But again, at the time when, when somebody's 18 and the other person's 21, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if the, the high school janitor part of it is, is true oh, that's or not. True. That's on but, Wikipedia, so it can't be false. Okay, well there you go. Um, and uh, and Noodles claims to like the finer things in life, such as red wine, classical music, cigarettes, poetry, and pasta. Sounds like my kind of guy. Uh, <laughs> so, um, just I always thought that was so interesting. I, I kind of always bought that story because I, whenever I'd see them together, he would, even though he's only three years older, he kind of looked like he was fairly older than the rest of the band members, even though I guess he at least wasn't that much older than Dexter Holland, but, um, Oh man, Dexter Holland's 57 years old. That is, that is sad. <laughs> that makes me sad. Not, God bless him. But still, but still, like I said, playing European metal festivals. So, you know, the, the young, young at heart. Um, let, let's get into this. This is a, this is a really interesting listen. And I say that for a number of reasons, not least of which there's like 14 tracks on here and it's only clocks in at about 46 minutes or so. And the last track has, has some dead, dead air, if you will. So it's really just about a 40 minute album, but they cram a lot in there. And some of these tracks, by the way, this is offspring's longest album. Yeah, there you go. I guess this was, uh, this was, this was their epic at, at a whopping 46 minutes. Um, you know, I, I guess let's, let's kick it off with, uh, it's time to relax, kick off your <laughs> shoes, and let's get into this. Um, a very interesting spoken word intro that has nothing to do with the rest of the album, but kind of uh, eases you into it, I guess. Yeah, th- this little track has the distinction of being the very first anything that ever appeared on a Power Hour that I ever made. This is the intro to my very first audio Power Hour. I, it just felt like it was uh, it was the right thing to open things up with, so... Um, that's what I think of when I when I hear this. But um, Offspring would kind of become known for these little um, these little intros and segues and outros and spoken word type things. And again, like the band clearly uh, has a has a pretty um, a pretty apparent sense of humor about things. Um, and this is no no different. And uh, our friend the narrator will make a, a couple more appearances uh, as the as the album goes on. But it does kind of uh, set the table for it it's interesting too because he, he kind of has like this kind of like fancy waspy kind of sound to him uh not to I think he's with perfect. The, band, the band wasp but yeah, yeah i think that's the joke is that like oh. you're, you're like it sounds like somebody's about to int- is introducing something that's going to sound really uptight and then it just comes into like this this um like circus drum fill that that goes right into the uh the first track nitro youth energy and and, and we're off and running and arguably of all the songs this is one of the heaviest it's certainly one of the fastest and i I think a word that i'll try not to use over and over again but there's a simplicity to this song and many others 
but it also makes it kind of memorable because they kind of beat it into you and play the same riffs over and over again. This one being no different, a very simple riff, but the drumming is so good that it kind of drives the song forward. And what's, this is a good tune. It's, and it's always been one of the, my favorites on the album, but you know, I was talking about the kind of the metal aspect to this band. If you closed your eyes and you switched out Dexter Holland and you put like Bobby Blitz over the top and just added some guitar solos, this is a really thrashy song in many ways. It's punk. There's no question, but it's really borderline thrash, or at least there's elements of it here. Uh, yeah, it's almost as if we knew we were going to like metal. We just had to get to the metal first. And this was kind of like, uh, you know, the gateway uh, drug. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Um, I, I agree. This was always one of my favorite songs on the album. Um, I, I, there's three of them that I really, really like, I think, or maybe even four of them that I just like absolutely love. There's one that is kind of, gimmicky that I also really love. Um, and so I'll, I'll kind of get to those as we go on, but this is definitely one of those top, you know, four or five songs for me on this album. I just, I love, um, I think youth energy is such a great like way to describe this, this song nitro, because it, it really is kind of, it, it just has a youthful energy to it. Um, so it, it's uh, a really up, upbeat song. And then they just like, go into the the next song and, and it it starts out like totally slowed down and and almost kind of dark and and a little bit scary and and <laughs> i think that was the point if you uh take a look at the lyrics um uh, what do you remember the first time you heard this song and and, and what did you think of it and and what do you think of it now so i, I I'm, I'm so glad you kind of tossed me the softball here. I remember the first time I listened to it. I got this album in 1994. I don't remember when, but I'm sure it was shortly after I heard um, some of the radio hits, which had actually predated the release of the album. So I'm pretty sure I got this album shortly after it came out. And I remember playing the album for the first time and Bad Habit coming on. And obviously the bass lines just jump out immediately because it was very prominent, uh, you know, in the mix. And this has a very dark and angsty vibe to it, which you kind of mentioned. Uh, and about a minute in it, it really picks up and almost reminds me of a Green Day song uh, in, in many ways. But a couple of things that always jumped out at me, and, I, and, and as I listened to it back multiple times this week, I think it was even more true now than ever before. Number one, there are parts of this song that oddly sound like self-esteem. And I don't know if that was done on purpose, but you, I, I hear a lot of overlap between that and one of the tracks, you know, self-esteem that would come later. And then there was that expletive filled tirade that the singer goes on when all the music drops out. And I remember 11 year old me just losing my shit that he was saying all these words fast and angsty and, and, and with all this like anger and I'm like, this is the coolest thing I've ever heard, right? Like, I've, I've never heard anything like this before. I guess I was probably 12 at this point. But, like, now it's it's kind of gimmicky. I, it's, I kind of laugh at it. It doesn't bother me, obviously. But it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's like commercial punk. And this was the song they couldn't play on the radio. Uh, yeah, about that. <laughs> um, some stations did actually play this no on the radio. Way. And I will never forget the first time I heard it. They 
censored all of the swear words with car horns. It was absolutely hysterical. Um, oh my, it, so- it probably uh, sounded like the Belt Parkway in rush hour. <laughs> yeah, except you'd actually hear the swearing. Um, <laughs> a, so this was never released officially as a single, but it did in some areas receive radio play, according to Wikipedia. And I can confirm because I do remember hearing it. I believe it was on Q104.3 before they became a classic rock station. And they were really like a modern heavy rock uh, radio station. If I don't know if you remember that far, that far back, but um, I'll never forget hearing it in the car and thinking to myself, like, how the hell is this going to happen? Um, and then just laughing my ass off with the car horns going in as the uh, replacing all the swear words. Um, it's also like a live staple and the, they just hold the microphone out and the whole crowd does the whole expletive laden rant perfectly. Um, it, it's a fun little thing. It's definitely, it's a song that I think hasn't aged that well for me because like you said, it is kind of gimmicky, but it is fun as hell to hear live. I will I'm say sure. it's a blast. And, and yeah. it's, it's also a tale of two songs. Um, it's kind of similar to what Nirvana would do or had done, you know, what that they picked up from the Pixies, which is that like start out quiet and then get loud, except it's just like those two parts instead of it going back and forth. It's just like the, the, the quiet part and the loud part. But uh, for those who couldn't figure it out, it is a song about road rage. <laughs> yes. Yes. And uh, no, no question about it. Um, again, I, I agree. Hasn't aged particularly well. Kind of want to go see him live. I've never, I've never seen the band live. So maybe, maybe one day before it's all said and done, um, I'll get to that. Uh, and this gives way to what was ultimately released as the third single on the album, almost a year um, from the from the album's release, and that's got to get away. I remember hearing this track over and over and over again on the radio, and remarkably, it I think it stands the test of time. I am a bit of a sucker for some of these radio songs, and I can't really explain why. I just think that when they added the polish to songs like this. It was just a great song and like really cool drum beat again with the bass kind of standing out. Uh, I, I, I think I just played this song on repeat as a kid and it had this big, big chorus. I always thought it was like this like build up to the big choruses and I thought it was one of the best riffs on the album. Um, almost almost like Nitro, a very simple thrash song but just with, with polished punk on top. Uh, much like... When I Come Around was the third single for uh, Green Day's Dookie album. Um, I had purchased or received this album at the same point, whereas where the first two singles were out and the third single came out by the time I knew the album. And the same thing happened with Dookie. So when this song became a music video and a single and a radio song, I already was new of it. It was I was always interested to see like what the next song to become a single was once I knew the whole album. Um, I don't know that I would have guessed that this would have been the one. This is my favorite of the three singles um, by a fair margin, I would say. Um, no kidding. I, yeah, I, I like the song a lot. Um, I think that uh, the, the chorus is really catchy. And like you said, it kind of builds to it. And then when it kicks in, it's like really, um, you know, it's almost like it almost makes you want to just throw up the horns and headbang. Like it, it, it it's a, uh, it's a really catchy mid-tempo punk rock song, and um, it's cool because I feel like what Offspring does really well on this album is they kind of um, 
they kind of run the gamut of tempos. Like there's, there's, you know, slow, you know, mid, more mid tempo songs, faster songs, um, thrashier songs, less thrashy songs. Like there, this isn't a one note album in my opinion. I feel like it's very varied and, um, I, I, I like this song. I feel like, um, none of the songs that came before it sound like it, you know, like nitro's super fast, bad habits, you know, slow and, fast but like really kind of um almost me- like a, a metal kind of thrashiness to it um and, and then this one really is is has a really just nice pop punk kind of vibe uh really really good tune um probably like in my second tier of songs from this album like just missing the the top tier but um i much like you like i don't get i never got tired of hearing it um i feel like they played the first two singles way more than this one. Oh, no, no argument here. Um, we, we kind of move into genocide, which I think has a very commercially punk vibe to it. I feel like it's, even though it wasn't a single, it has like a real commercial uh, feel to it in many ways. What do you think of this track? And I'll kind of share my thoughts when you're done. Uh, like this is what I thought might've been the, the, the radio song, you know, just cause that opening riff is so like it's not iconic, but it could have been like it had had it more people heard it. Like there's something about it where it just um, it it's just like really. I think it just grabs you and it really just goes. It it tells you to like hang on. This this was always a favorite a favorite song of mine as a kid. This was definitely in my upper tier. Probably going to miss the song of the week nod for me, and I'll explain why when we when we get to. The one that I chose, but um, that 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 riff is so memorable. Like it really is. I I could I don't know if I if I just this happened and I forgot about it, or I thought it would be a good idea. But like this would have been like a killer song for like a sports team to come out on the to the field or the ice to. Like it's just it's just a very energetic and catchy catchy tune. Very uh, very good. I love the riff. I don't love the song, and I think it's just because maybe the chorus isn't as big and powerful as the one that preceded it, so I thought it felt a bit flat. I think the instrumental section is actually one of the highlights towards the end, um, like a far cry from learning to live in the instrumental section in, in a Dream Theater song, but for what it is, it's enjoyable. But it's Vocals really just – better. Yeah, <laughs> not, on the, not on the album, not maybe live. Um, but yeah, for some reason, I just find this song a touch boring compared to some of the others. I've kind of, I, I would put it in like the middle tier of songs for me. Um, and I think that there's much better stuff that we haven't even gotten to on the album. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I think that this is maybe one of the closest tracks on the album that really sticks to the punk roots or the of, of older punk. And so... It's. I think it, it. It kind of goes for more of the, more of like that kind of angsty, thrashy kind of vibe than than like poppy and and, and catchy. But um, yeah, I don't know, man. That guitar riff is just. Uh, I, I I'd argue it's the most memorable riff on the album. But um, mm. yeah, I, I can I can get, kind of get what uh, what you're what you're saying, and it is a little repetitive. But I, I think it's a I think it's a a good song. I, I always really like this one a lot and um it, it also uh at the end of it brings back our, our friend the the narrator um, <laughs> who, who gives us a little uh interlude in between this and, and the next track uh well, really quick but uh he just says uh 
I especially enjoyed that one. Let's see what's next. <laughs> I, like I said, I don't give it my full endorsement, but I think it blows away the next track. Something to Believe In is a miss for me. This was one of the one or two songs, I think one of the two songs that I just didn't remember. And I think there might have been a reason for that. Um, it's more of an upbeat banger in many ways. It's just not that memorable. And I think that the chorus is repetitive and I don't particularly love the vocal lines. So it was just kind of a miss for me all around. The riffs are okay. Uh, and, and the verses themselves are actually one of the highlights of the song. But I thought the bridge was also weak. And I just don't have many good things to say about it. Now, watch it be your song of the week. But no, like I just for some reason, it was a, it was it was a miss for me. I didn't remember it. And I, having heard it, I remember why I didn't remember it. Yeah, it is, actually is my song of the week. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, oh, I absolutely uh, love the song. Uh, yeah. Now that I've, now that I've uh, completely, <laughs> completely filleted that one, tell me why I'm wrong. Uh, you're not wrong. You're, you're, it's your opinion. I, I, I just, I don't know what it is. I, I think the high energy of it uh, a lot. I think that um, tempo wise, it's very similar to the nitro, the opening track, but I, I for whatever reason, I, I just think that, that, like you said, that I think that chorus has such a great hook to it. Um, I don't know. I, th- just something about this song just um, always just, just sucked me in. I, I, I love it. I, and it's just to me, like, kind of it's kind of what i wish like they they had more radio play that they had more songs that people could hear like hey this isn't like a totally jokey band like they actually have like some really ass kicking you know you know, thrashy ass punk songs and this is one of them i i i'm at, i'm a little surprised that you, you that you didn't like it um i it's 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 definitely i think the one that i always um like the most from from this album so uh we'll we'll give it a listen and then maybe you'll change your mind after listening to another (laughs) minute listening to a minute of it one more time Well, the, the beauty of this album is that because the tracks are so short, this one only clocking in at just over you know three minutes and 15 seconds or so, you get to really get a sense or a real listen for these songs when we, when we play a minute clip. It's almost like listening to the whole thing in, in many regards. Yeah, I, it's true. I mean, and it's like, you know, if you don't like it, it'll be over soon anyway. So <laughs> there you go. Very good. Um, Which is kind of ironic considering the next song is actually the, uh, oh no, I'm sorry. The the song after this uh, is the longest song on the album. Um, yeah. Self-esteem. Uh, but we're up to come out and play. I got a little ahead of myself. Sorry about that. Um, that's okay. Uh, yeah. Come out and play though uh, is, I mean, 
I don't want to say an iconic song, but this is the first single. It comes out March 10th of 94, basically four weeks before the album comes out. Uh, and this is one of those songs that I just remembered from Jump Street. I don't, I think it's probably my second favorite of the three singles. Um, and, and what's interesting is they put them both on the album back to back. This is an absolute monster. It's got the drums in the beginning that really remind me of Tool, of all things, which wouldn't, you know, become a big, big band until a few years later. But it has this, the way it starts has this Tool vibe. And then ironically, the riff is really more of like surf rock. And it reminds me of like The Ventures or something like that or a Dick Dale. Really, really interesting. But I feel like this track has a little bit of something for everything, something for everyone. Um I, I think this was one of the gateway drugs for, for hard rock and metal for me, just because it's a really powerful riff, even though it's got a lot of uh, makeup and, and camouflage here that make it, you know, radio friendly and something for uh, something for everyone. And ironically, I even know hip hop fans that love this song back, you know, way, way back when, because it has a touch of that. They really, in about three minutes and 17 seconds, they, they cross off just about every box. Yeah, uh, it's really well said, and and it makes sense that this was such a big hit. Um, it, it's, uh, I think I would say it is iconic, um, at least in the in the alt world. Maybe not in the the rock world as a whole, but I mean, maybe someone might agree, disagree. I mean, I feel like a lot of people know. I mean, my, even my mom uh, it would would make a still to this day makes jokes that says you got to keep them separated, like <laughs> you know. It, my mom remembers that. So, I mean, what does that tell you? Um, interesting um, song lyrics. I never really understood what they were about, but it's actually about like gang violence and, and shootings and stuff like that. And, and um, uh, Dexter Holland did did an interview and he, he says that like most of the songs on the album were just about whatever was happening in front of me. And in the case of come out and play, uh, he said back when, uh, Back then when I was a grad student, I was commuting to school every day in a shitty car driving through East L.A., Gangland Central. I was there the day of the L.A. riots, so I was very aware of that part of the world. And a lot of that gun stuff came out in songs like Come Out and Play. So uh, kind of, uh, you know, just a little background there. Um, the line, You Gotta Keep Them Separated, was sung by Jason Blackball McLean, who was a friend and a fan of the band. So a little uh, huh. tidbit there. Um, but... Uh, yeah, this song was this song blew up. Like this was the first single, and like I, this band was on my radar immediately. As soon as this, as soon as this video was on MTV, I was like, I, "You have my attention." Um, and it was the only single for a while because "Self Esteem," which would be the second single, didn't come out until December. So for basically nine months, this was the single and the song that they were playing on the radio over and over and over again. Another interesting fact too about this is that um, they were uh, there was a a, another group that that sued them and said that that two that two bar Arabian guitar phrase that was repeated throughout the song uh, was a stolen riff from a guitar solo from uh, a song by the the band Agent Orange called Bloodstains, which I I didn't know. Um, I'm curious to hear that song now. Yeah, I, I kind of am too. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know uh, if anything ever came came of that. Um, 
let's see. Uh, so, I I don't have anything to to say about it right now. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, right. I'm just I'm like strictly scanning this article and trying to get something um, something useful out of it, but. Um, uh, yeah, the the songwriter it was his name was Mike Mike Palm, and, and uh, he said that it's great that they recorded Bloodstains, but it doesn't help me personally. Sometimes I feel oh, like an old wow. black blues man who got ripped off. So, oh wow, yeah. those are those shots fired. Um, oh, I, and that was I'm sorry, that was because the Offspring covered the song Bloodstains for the soundtrack of the movie Ready to Rumble, um, which. <laughs> which actually kind of uh, rewinds back to another wrestling reference I was going to make because this was the song that Raven uh, came out to in ECW. Uh, so it all comes full circle. I got to I yeah. got to hear, I got to hear the uh, Bloodstain song. I've never, I've never heard that. Um, how would you compare, how would you compare um, come out and play to self-esteem, which would be the next single. And it's, it's always fascinated me that both of these songs were kind of, uh, buried next to each other in the middle of the album, not usually the place where the singles come from. Yeah, this was, um, again, kind of going back to what I was um, talking about where like, it, it, it's kind of like, you know, kind of mid tempo and almost chill. And then like the chorus has a little bit more energy to it. This was the song that I got like really sick of hearing. Like they just played the crap out of it. I've kind of circled back in later years and I don't dislike it. Um, as much as I did for a time, but it's still not one of my favorite songs on the album. I think just because of the overplaying of it, um, I still think it's a good song. Um, and I think it was, uh, a good choice for the, uh, for, for a single. Um, I think it made for a good radio song. I think that the, um, the lyrics are really kind of interesting, um, kind of about just like this to me it's just like this guy who just like puts up with being like you know like like emotionally like abused by his girlfriend because he doesn't have any self-esteem to stand up for himself or or do any better so um uh, that maybe that's uh something somebody can uh to to can relate to i don't know Uh, but um I, I like i do feel like like i said in that quote earlier that a lot of these songs do have kind of a personal touch to them and these two especially definitely feel that way and and i also agree with you it was really interesting like the two biggest songs were dead center in the middle of the album right next to each other um it's it's really kind of interesting i always when i was younger felt as if that first chunk of songs before come out and play um was a lot stronger than the chunk of songs that came on after self-esteem but um i'm not sure that i i'm not sure i feel that way anymore Um, i used to agree with that and this time around i don't think that i do because i actually think there's some gems on the back end of the album i think this is self-esteem might be one of if not their best track on the album it's not my song of the week but i think that it was and you use the word i think it's a very relatable tune and when you're young and and you know listening to this as a 12 year old i think it really hits all the spots for me or at least it did as a kid and it's kind of beautiful in its simplicity it's not even for an album where there's not that much complexity this one's like especially simple but it just hits all the right notes it's a little dark 
it's a little angst ridden, but by the same token, I just think it's a really great song. I kind of wonder what it would be like for these guys to play this live now, which I'm sure they're doing, you know, as in their late fifties and sixties to play this song. It's, it's interesting. And, and, Finally, what I love about it also is these subtle key changes that happen towards the end of the song. And I think that that kind of helps vary it just enough where you can say, all right, it's, it's, um, you know, it's, 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 it's memorable to say the least. Not, 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 um, not to say that it's not played out. Uh, you know, obviously this song has been played to death. But it never got old for me. And maybe that's just because I haven't listened to it in a while. But I thought it was just as good as the first time I heard it. Maybe you have more self-esteem than I do. <laughs> Entirely possible. Uh, that brings us to, it'll be a long time. Uh, track number nine. Talk to me about this one. This one is a short tune. It's only about two minutes and 43 seconds. But what the back end of this album is, is just one fast, hard hitter after another. Short, in and out tunes. But it starts with, it'll be a long time. Tell me your thoughts. Yeah, you know, again, there's a little bit of a of a parallel to dookie again that i'm going to bring up that like after longview and basket case although not one after the other uh, after those songs and then um uh, you know you you move on to the second side and it starts out with with she and then there's like a whole like a, a bunch of like quick heavy like fast punk rock songs in and out kind of tunes so this is kind of constructed in in a in a similar way, and I, I don't know if there was any if that was on purpose or anything, but um, this is this is a really just fast paced punky like you know tap your foot like just a really catchy in and out like just just a just a like a, a just a small little dynamo of a song like like you said it, it's it's under three minutes long after that four and four minute and 17 second epic, uh, self. <laughs> um, but I thought this was like a really good, um, a really good way to kind of leave self-esteem, which, which is in general, a, a mid tempo kind of song and, and almost a little bit like radio friendly and poppy. And this one is just going right back to that, like kind of dirty, kind of, uh, dirty, like down and down, earthy punk rock kind of vibe that like you got with like nitro and genocide and something to believe in. So, um, uh, what, how about you? What do you, what do you think about this one? This hit me harder than any song this week. Um, I loved it. Song of the week. Let's give it a listen. And then I'll kind of back into why I chose it. Yeah. Hopefully it'll, it won't be a long time before you listen to it again. <laughs> Yeah. 
this song just hits you right out of the box. And you said very punkish. You're right. To me, it had almost like a rancid vibe to it, like really punk as opposed to more of like the radio punk. This is one of those songs that nobody ever talks about, but I found myself just tapping my hands and feet to it the entire week. And I loved how it just got progressively faster. Not that it's a progressive song, but it just got faster and faster as you went along. And I just thought it was such a tight little tune that I figured, you know what? Song of the week. Let's give the people something different because everyone knows the three hits, but I wanted to do something a little bit, uh, a little bit of a deeper cut. Yeah. It's a great choice. I mean, um, Again, like one of those, uh, one of the ones that weren't a, a popular radio hit, but I always thought was just a really killer, like punk rock tune. Um, the next track it was always my least favorite song on the album, and now I kind of understand why. Apparently, it's a cover by a, a band called The Digits. Um, I don't think this is a bad song. I just think it's the weakest on the album. It doesn't really. It just doesn't really do anything for me. It's a little repetitive. It, I don't feel like it hooks as well as some of the other songs. It's just fine. I think it's probably placed where it should be. Um, it's interesting that there would be a cover on this album, I guess. Um, but um, then again, I thought that there were no covers on uh, Hammerfall's uh, <laughs> Legacy of Kings album. So you never really know. Um, but yeah, I, sometimes it's funny that you... Uh, you kind of can pick out that something doesn't quite fit. And then you find out many years later, there's a reason for that. So uh, that's just my thoughts. I don't know if you feel any differently, but that, to me, that's the weakest song on the album. I tend to agree with you. I think it's just too repetitive for me and the melodies don't click. Um, again, just could be our taste, but it does kind of feel in many ways like an outlier. So it makes sense now, you know, having actually done a little research, why it's it just doesn't necessarily click like some of the others. Um, whereas the next track, What Happened to You, fantastic little tune. This is another one that screams Green Day to me. It's short. It could have easily been on Dookie for all intents and purposes. And just a really enjoyable song with an instrumental section that has almost a bit of a Western vibe to it, which I thought is kind of weird. Um, but just in one word, this is a fun song. I love it. It's a fun song. I was obsessed with the song when this album came out because it was such a, it was just such a fun, like goofy, but like that, that guitar, that guitar solo that you say sounds Western. I, it's so catchy. Like it's this short little solo, but it's so good. Like it's really so good. Um, the, the beat is actually a Jamaican ska beat. Um, huh. and I just thought, I just remember this song and just thinking like, this is so catchy. Like it, I, I, I loved it. I think I put it on mixtapes, even though it wasn't a, a, a radio single, which was kind of unusual for me back then. But, um, I just, that's how much I like the song. If I, if I, um, if I wasn't, if I didn't love something to believe in so much, this, this could have possibly been my, my song of the week. It's just, it's it's kind of an outlier just to the, because it doesn't sound like anything else on the album, but it's kind of a, a preview of some of these like fun offspring songs that would come out later on that um, just felt a little bit different than what was on the rest of the album. But it just has a very kind of classic, catchy, fun kind of 
vibe. And then it goes into like this, like really fast and angry, really short track. So alone, it kind of like, you know, what happened to you kind of has this like fun tap your toe, tap your foot kind of beat. And then so alone comes on and you're like, Oh wow. Pete and your Cheerios. Thrashy, thrashy, <laughs> thrashy, thrashy. And if you close your eyes, some of these riffs sound like they could have been on Metallica's kill them all a decade prior. Like it's, a really surprisingly heavy tune. It's just they're not as musically inclined as the guys in Metallica would prove to be. Um, but it's a short song. You're in, you're out. I like it a lot. And then it goes into like another gem on the backside as far as I'm concerned and not the one. This was the other song that I forgot about. But when it came back to me, I'm like, wow, this song is actually really good. It's faster, I think more mid-paced, but it's it's – the drums here just set a really nice pace for the rest of this song. The verses are good. Um, not my favorite chorus, but at the same time, I think the last 30 seconds, the way this song kind of ends is great with the kind of this long stretch of just drumming and vocals over the top. Uh, and then the guitars would join in and the song ends. I, I like the way it ends and it makes up for some of the, again, I guess we'll just say the chorus, which isn't my favorite. Yeah, it's a very abrupt ending. This was, I think, the song that I um, probably gained the most appreciation for that I hadn't. Nice. I mean, I always liked it, but I, after listening to it again, I'm like, this is actually a, a, a very good song. The That kind of bass intro always reminded me of the, the beginning of It's Still Rock and Roll to Me by Billy Joel. Oh. Like, it, it, it's, it, it sounds very similar. Um, they might have might have had another lawsuit on their hands if they were any more similar, but um, another one that's pretty just kind of mid tempo, but you know, I, I just want to point out like on the whole, like the drums just carry this album. They're, they're yeah. so well, they're so well done and, and well produced. It sounds good too. Yeah. You have to believe that like that when the band got uh, picked up by Epitaph records, that, much like Dookie when they got, you know, when they got their record deal uh, or Green Day, when they got their record deal with Dookie, you know, they were like, all right, we're going to take this really raw punk sound that you have that we think is going to um, appeal to a, a wider audience and, and clean it up. And, and maybe almost a parallel to like the black album with Metallica, where it's kind of like, what would this be like if we got some, you know, hotshot producer in here and made it sound really, polished the only problem is the only difference is that with the band like this most of its fan most of their fans didn't know of the previous material or as mo most of metallica's fans were or a lot of metallica's fans were aware of of the three pre preceding albums and were pretty pretty big fans of them um four so it, it, yeah but I, I feel like there's some similarity there because um if you do go back and listen to those first two albums or go back and listen to Green Day's first two albums, you'll notice that there's quite a difference in production values compared to Smash and, and Dookie, respectively. But um, I, I don't have much else to say about this one. I think you really hit the the nail on the head. It's a, a really good tune, and it leads us into the the final official track, although there's some other uh, shenanigans that go on uh, after the song is over, which we'll talk about. But uh, what, what are your thoughts on the title track, Smash? objectively it was nearly my song of the week but i like it's a great closing album i i mean 
for one, I'm not a trendy asshole. I just want to put that on the record. I think it needs I've to never, be said. I've never accused you of such. But the but the riffs just so good, um, catchy as hell. Um, and I loved how the verses and the chorus just sound so completely different from one another. So you can really discern the different parts of this song. Um, some cheeky little instrumental sections, and it just kind of satisfied my metal itch in many ways. Um, short, sweet, to the point, good way to close the album. And then they give you seven more minutes of, of, of stuff. You want to walk us through that? Yeah. Um, I, I also, uh, thought about this as, as song of the week too. Um, I just think it's, it's a perfect way to end this album. I, I, I know we, we talk a lot about like albums kind of fizzling a little bit towards the end because of song placement or whatever. I feel like this album really ends strong with this. Agreed this song it's one of the best songs in the album i think um it's just full of of pissed off you know angsty energy um but but in a in a catchy sort of way and um i just always really like this song and i thought it was a cool way to end the album and um i i i would recommend that that people go back and not just listen to the songs of the week. And I'm glad that we both didn't choose any of the singles, but um, listen to the whole album. I think there's a lot of stuff metal heads could, could sink their teeth into. And if you just happen to like punk rock, then even better. Um, After the, the song ends, um, the, our narrator friend comes back and kind of, uh, you know, bids us adieu and sends us on our way. And then there's this, this, um, this kind of, uh, drum drummy kind of outro um which um is the intro to change the world which is a song that actually would be played in full it's actually the last song on ixnay on the ombre it's a little preview to a song that's not what won't be heard for another year or two which i thought was kind of cool i remember when ixnay came out and i heard that song and i was like oh this Sounds familiar. So it's almost like, I kind of like that. It's like a preview of what's going to come on the the next album. And then, as we've talked about, uh, silence, silence, silence. And you're wondering, why is my CD still playing? And sure enough, uh, we have a hidden track, a, uh, a real uh, staple of the time. And it's just this um, very uh, uh, Middle Eastern acoustic reprise of come out and play um and it's it's just kind of neat like a neat little neat little secret um i always listen to it at the end of this album just for because now i have you know digital so i can cut i can cut that giant gap of nothingness out and uh it's interesting um did you ever think that you would hear either orphan land or mirath cover the offspring, because that's basically what the end of this album is. Well, maybe they, I mean, or, or, Orphan Land covered Pearl Jam, so I mean, <laughs> they did. Oh boy, yeah, you're gonna have to. They covered Jeremy. You never heard that? It's sick. I've never heard that. So we're gonna okay, stop gonna the podcast to... right here. We're gonna, gonna take to a listen to that. Wow, that one up. Um, that I I don't think I knew that, and if I did, it's... I completely forgot. Yeah, it, it's it's sick. Yeah, it, I bet it. I guess I might as well give a little background. There was a whole, um, this whole push for uh, Pearl Jam to come play a show in Israel. And they, there was this uh, 
project called Bring Pearl Jam to Israel. And all these different Israeli musicians did Pearl Jam covers. And there's like school choirs doing songs and all, and like, or just a guy with an acoustic guitar. And, um, Orphan Land would, uh, give us the, uh, cover of Jeremy as their little, uh, invitation for the band to come to, to Israel. So, uh, hey, maybe we should just post that this week. Uh, just put it on Sunday Select because we just you brought it up. Just buried the lead, but this was absolutely going to be my Sunday Select. So, thank you for mentioning that. That is phenomenal, and I can't wait to hear that. Yeah, um, I, just, uh, I just sent you the link. So now you have it. And, um, I, I'm looking forward to your thoughts on that because I think that's a – I really, really, really like that cover. And that's that's a hard, that's hard for me to, to to swallow a band covering Pearl Jam. It has to be good. So, so I, I love it. I can't wait to hear it. I want to ask you this though as we kind of get back to Offspring for just a second. What are you, what are you ranking this and is it every bit as good as you thought it was going to be um, going into this week? Uh, yes, it, it really didn't lose uh, any steam for me. Um, I, I'm going to give it a 9.25, which wow. is just a shade below what I gave Dookie at 9.5. I don't have that same nostalgic love for Offspring as I do for Green Day, although I am still a, a pretty big fan of theirs. Um, so that's that's where that lands for me. Um I know I'm probably going to get like burned at the stake for giving Holy Diver a 6.875 <laughs> and then a week later coming in and giving an Offspring album a 9.25. But uh, different strokes for different folks, I suppose. Curious to see what your uh, your number would be. So the number is actually higher than I thought it was going to be. I, for some reason, kind of remembered this as being like three awesome singles, a handful of other good songs, and then you know a bunch of stuff I didn't so much care about uh for me it's a 7.5 there's a lot here that i actually do enjoy quite a bit um it is not a perfect album by any means there is a bit of nostalgia here but i it's something that i definitely enjoyed going back to and to your point i think i'm gonna have to go listen to uh ixnay after this because i definitely did not give that any attention after it came out by then i think i had been full-on like metal at that point yeah i you know it's weird because i don't remember the uh, th- there being as much mainstream attention to that album compared to Smash, I don't remember. I think hearing any of the songs changed. on like yeah, I agree. I don't popular. remember. I don't remember hearing any of the songs on the radio. Uh, in retrospect, uh, "Gone Away" and um, what was the other song that ended up being um, one of the bigger. Uh, singles. Um, I don't remember. Gone Away was a big one, though. Um, I man, I, I really like this album. I probably would say it's a shade below Smash for me, but not by much. Meaning of Life, Moda, uh, Leave It Behind, I Choose, All I Want is another great. There's a, a lot of really good uh, songs on on. Ixnay. And same and again, same with Americana. If you can get past the two goofy songs, you have Kids Aren't Alright, which was a single that was the one single that wasn't so goofy. Um you know, staring at the sun, walla walla. Um there's there's some really good songs there too. And I even really liked um 
you know, uh, Conspiracy of One and Splinter, which were the two albums that followed. Um, I feel like in the later years, they've kind of gone a little bit more towards the pop and a little bit less towards the punk. Um, I guess same could be said for Green Day in a lot of ways. Um, but this was a band that I stuck with after Smash, and, and they they really kept me hooked for a while. Um, they really have a lot of really fun, just catchy punk rock songs and and i and and again i mentioned this last week i've heard people say that they've seen them live and they weren't they didn't live up to expectations i saw them once uh they had the um dropkick murphys open for them and i thought both bands were out of this world i had a a really great time so uh yeah the offspring um thanks for thanks for thanks for uh joining me down this trip down Memory lane, it, it uh, won't, won't be the last for sure. Good. I, I, I'm glad. I thought it was a good choice. I just want to go over a couple of news items before we talk about next week's album. I don't know if you had a chance to hear this, but there was a recent interview with uh, Sabotage's Chris Caffrey. Not only is he coming out with a solo album, which you know he's done in the past, but did you realize he's coming out with another Dr. Butcher album? I did not. I I feel like the guys from Sabotage are getting awful, awful chatty lately. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Um, that Dr. Butcher album was one of those albums that I imported back in the mid-90s when I had to have everything that Sabotage touched. And uh, that would make for an interesting discussion. We got we to do that album one day. I would love to. I, I remember buying the import on uh, Charlie from Sam Goody's uh, recommendation. Um, Shout out to Charlie from I'll Sam I'll never Goody. forget him saying that it was like uh, the, the perfect breakup album, uh, which after I listened to it, I could completely understand why he felt that way. 100%. So uh, anyway, I thought that was a little news on the sabotage front. Uh, another uh, iconic band from yesteryear, Paradise Lost, is celebrating their 30th anniversary of their album icon by doing a re-recording of it i generally do not like when bands re-record albums i have less of a problem when they remix or remaster them but uh it is you know no pun intended a bit of an iconic album not not my favorite by the band but uh i'll check it out when that comes out um so a little news from the paradise lost camp and finally uh as we mentioned earlier halloween that uh at the show we saw got inducted into the heavy metal Hall of Fame, uh, which was a nice little moment during the show. I figured we should just kind of close with that. Um, I'm not sure what the criteria was, but they have been going at it for a very long time. So kudos to them on on getting into the uh, the Metal Hall of Fame. Yeah, I was um, not expecting to see uh, Alyssa White uh, Glues come out and and help and present the award to them. I thought that was uh, a nice a nice touch. That was really cool. Um, just a cool little moment. They did it right before the the band's last song. And um, I, I thought that it was a, a good, a good crowd to do it in front of. And, and of course a, a very well-deserving honor. I, I feel like it'll be at least two or three more years until they go into the rock and roll hall of fame. So th- this is a good little stopgap for them until then. Yeah. It's kind of, um, you know, it's, it's just, you know, you kind of uh, get the palate a little wet and then they'll get in and then Iron Maiden will still be looking for their invitation. Speaking of which, we are celebrating uh, an anniversary at the request of one, our, one of our patrons uh, because April 11th, 1988, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son came out. Uh, I can't believe that's been 35 years, but that is the album we are covering next week on the podcast. And I'm looking forward to this. This is a good album. 
I am too. This is our third. This will be our third Iron Maiden album discussion uh, again. This is another band I think that, that by the time it's all said and done, God willing, will have gone through the Iron Maiden discography, uh, probably in less chronological order than perhaps Halloween. Um, but um, I was kind of surprised when I took a look at the the track list for this album and realized, unlike with uh, Our Slave which was the last album we talked about where I knew uh, maybe three or four songs. Um, there was only one song that I did not recognize on this album, so I would imagine that uh, I'll, I'll enjoy that one other song uh, as much as I enjoy the rest. But this is a good choice. I'm glad we're going to get to it. And um, we continue to make our way through some of these bands' discographies, albeit slowly, but... Uh, yeah, this this is going to be uh, a real good one, um, a real live one, a real dead one, a real live dead <laughs> one. I mean, whatever you want to call it. But uh, yeah, this, this is a good choice, and uh, thanks to Brian Hewler for uh, for choosing it. And um, we invite uh, everybody else who wants to make a request join our Patreon. We appreciate the support. Uh, if you're not interested in joining the Patreon, a like and a follow also goes a long way. So you know, consider both. Um, but it helps others find the show, which would be very, very, uh, you know, helpful to us. So thank you to all the new patrons. We appreciate you. And we will come back next week with some Iron Maiden. Yep. And keep uh, and keep uh, an eye out for um, our special bonus episode. It should be, uh, it should be in on your RSSS feeds uh, probably Thursday night, if not Friday morning, I would say. Uh, I but again, Again, we both have constructed our, uh, I'm so excited to hear your list, by the way, but we are, um, We've constructed our what we consider our dream uh, sabotage set list for when the band um, goes back on tour. It was kind of an idea I came up with based on on Halloween set list and and just how unbelievably picky I would be uh, if I could choose you know um, you know which songs they would play. And again, like I mentioned earlier, it would have been a whole it would have been a completely different set list. And I, yet, I feel like I would have enjoyed the concert almost exactly the same amount i mean that's just how much i love that band and, and seeing kisk and kai with the rest of the band for the first time for me um i think they could have really they could have played gorgar over and over for an hour and a half and i would have been okay with it um i'm with you i'm with you uh it's gonna be it'll be a fun episode i i assure you we'll go into a little yeah. more depth on the show itself i think we should uh maybe do an over under of how many uh, overlapping songs we, we choose. Um, ah, it's well. it's interesting because Sabotage doesn't have as many songs as you would think for a band that like has such a, a legacy. And a, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that they haven't made any songs in the last 22 years, but um, you know, they only have what 10 albums or so. So, I mean, it's not a massive collection of songs to choose from. So I think that, the chance for overlap is better than if we were to do a, a Halloween or an Iron Maiden or a band with a, a larger discography. Well, uh, my set list has 23 songs crammed into two hours, and I'd be shocked if you didn't have at least half of them. Uh, let me see how many mine has. I have 22. Okay. So. I, watch it be the exact same set list in the exact same order. But anyway, I digress. Um, play the lottery if that's the case. Right? <laughs> uh, enjoy the week, my friend. It should be uh, it should be a fun one, and I look forward to circling back with you soon. Yeah, circle to circling. <laughs> Take it easy, bud.
Take care.